0: The Book Nook on WISO was presented by the Greene County Public Library, with additional support from Wright Memorial Public Library, Clark County Public Library, Tipps City Public Library, Dayton Metro Library, and Washington-Centerville Public Library. Hello welcome to The Book Nook on WYSO. I'm Vic McCunis, and it's my pleasure to welcome Joanne Kaiser to the studio. She's got a new novel out. It's her first novel. It's called A Young Woman from the Provinces. Welcome back to the program. Well, thank you. It's good to be here. I had you on for your story collection, which came out a year ago or or so, and uh, it's called The Guitar Player and Other Songs of Exile. So that prepared me for your novel. In fact, As I was reading the novel, and we get to a section where the ant is taking them out blackberry picking, I had a sense of deja vu.
1: Yes, because there is a story in the story collection called Blackberry. I think Blackberry Picking. It's been a while since Mm -hmm. I've looked at it. Yeah. And that is, that particular incident is based on a true incident that one of my aunts did that, Mm -hmm. and someone sicked the dogs on us. So obviously it made an impression on me.
0: And it's made its way into your story collection and into your novel. How long has this novel been gestating inside you?
1: (laughs) Since about 19—I'm not sure when in the fog of history it first occurred to me, but I think probably about 1970. So— I wrote a sort of semi-memoir at that time, realized that I didn't want to do a memoir, but I definitely wanted to do Kentucky. So on and off, over a long time, the novel's been gestating.
0: Over 50 years, and the result, it's out now, A Young Woman from the Provinces by Joanne Kaiser, and, Joanne, um, you still got a little Kentucky in your voice. Uh, tell us about yourself. Uh, where did you come from? How did you end up here?
1: Okay. I am from eastern Kentucky, and it's always been a great deal to me. And I moved around a lot. Our family moved, and a lot of the places I mention, although the book's not autobiographical, It's got a lot of autobiographical detail in it. So we lived, like, in West Virginia and Florida and uh, eventually Ohio. And I went to college in Ohio, at Ohio Wesleyan. And uh, then a friend of mine there said, how would you like to go to New York over spring break? And I did. immediately fell in love with New York. So I lived there for a great many years and worked at the New Yorker, which was fun sometimes and interesting sometimes, and then decided I wanted to do something else with my life, and then I went to Chicago and got my Ph.D. And
0: your protagonist in the story is a woman named Geneva.
1: Uh, Tell us about her. Geneva is a woman in search of a home. She's very much influenced by her childhood that had been left behind. And she's a figure of nostalgia in a lot of ways, I think. And so as she goes to all these places... She's essentially looking for a place that feels like home.
0: Would you say that the timeline, the chronology of her life, tracks fairly closely to yours?
1: It's fairly close, yes. The 1940s to the 1960s, yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. And tell us about her family, because we get to know her family really well, particularly her parents and her brother and sister. And her extended relatives, her mama and papa, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right.
1: Mama and papa. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Tell us about the family.
1: Well, it was an extended family in Kentucky. And uh, everybody visited everybody. And you didn't have to have an invitation to go visit each other. You just sort of showed up. And you couldn't go. One of the wonderful things when we would go back to visit was, is that they would feed us so well as we went from place to place, because we'd have a short time and all these places to visit, uh, we would have to eat something at each place. And so it got to the point where my brother Roger said, do we have to eat this time? <laughs> so it was a place of a great deal of hospitality, place of great deal of poverty, and a place of great deal of beauty.
0: One of the ongoing themes in this story is The trouble that the family had to deal with on an ongoing basis with her dad's employment and and the fact that he, even though he worked really hard and he he really wanted to support his family, he really had a hard time keeping a job for various reasons.
1: Yeah, largely because the mines would be boom and then bust. And uh, so he would have what would be a a fairly good-paying job for down there. And uh, then all of a sudden, it wasn't there anymore. And uh, then when we got to Florida, I know, uh, that was very difficult in terms of finding a job because my parents had an eighth-grade education, and that made it difficult. Once you moved out of the area in the coal mining district, so
0: when your fictional family arrives in Florida, the long-suffering mother, when when they pull up to this place that he's arranged, he's gotten a job down there, and and when they pull up to the place, it's just it's kind of a sad, devastating feeling when when it's she goes, it's a shack and and, yeah. and then they're there and there's a scene where he's really trying to find a job he's really trying to be able to keep paying the rent and um, this couple this this affluent couple comes to their house and this yeah. this is quite a scene this this really reads like the kind of thing that, that could have really happened to someone in your, your history, in your life. I mean, this couple, the way you portray them, yeah. they, they are so horrible.
1: They are horrible, and that particular scene never happened. But, of course, over the years, there were things to deal with in terms of what I have come to call the mainstream since I've been taught that sword.
0: <laughs> Geneva really wants to to experience the world. She wants to experience so many things and throughout the story she'll hear about somebody or something and it'll be, say, a writer that that most of us are familiar with and she'll go, that's the first time I ever heard of this person. (laughs) And her curiosity is just insatiable and she loves living in the woods. She loves the beauty of nature. And yet, like you, apparently, when she goes to New York City, she falls in love with this completely different world.
1: Oh, my goodness. The first time seeing New York, it was just, it really was all that light and all that glitter. And then all those people. And... I remember walking down the street and hearing people talk in different languages and so forth. Oh yes, I definitely fell for the place.
0: And Geneva, she wants to have a taste of wine. She's never had it. She wants to try these foods she's never had. She likes food. As we're going through the story, we hear about a lot of meals. We hear about a lot of food. And she meets all these people. And yet, she has a—I would say—a deep insecurity.
1: I think that's true. Yes, and in, in fact, at some point she lands up seeing a psychiatrist and making sense of all of this in some kind of way. Yeah, but it's uh, the—I think—who was it? Is it Fanon who said? that there was such a thing as a social neurosis, I think. Franz Fanon. Yes, Mm -hmm, and she does. She has a social neurosis. Mm
0: -hmm. The book is A Young Woman from the Provinces. Joanne Kaiser wrote it. You're listening to 91.3 WYSO, Connecting Our Community Through News, Music, and Storytelling on the Air and Online. It's the book nook, and uh, this novel just came out, and Joanne has uh, not written her autobiography. This is not her memoir, yet we learn a lot about her by reading the book because there's a lot of similarities there as far as going to New York, the places where she lives, I assume some of the family uh, stories. Tell us about her brother and sister because we meet them as they're, they're little and as they come Through the story, they get older, and and they mature, and they develop, and and, uh, Eddie becomes Edward. Tell us about the the
1: siblings. Well, I have eight siblings, and Ruth, the sister in the book, is sort of a composite (laughs) of about five now women, five children. And Edward is a composite of three brothers— I think that's probably a fair way of saying it. None of them are any particular person, but there have been things picked up along the way that go into telling about Ruth and Edward. And uh, Ruth, I like, I like my creation of Ruth. She is, to me, a real character, and she shows uh, both the positive and the negative aspects of having well, in, her, in, in Geneva's case, not so many, but of having so many siblings. In fact, one sister said she came to the, uh, a reading at the Epic Bookshop, and she said, I didn't get born <laughs> because I hadn't tried to write about all nine of us. I suspect largely because it was just too difficult to handle that many characters.
0: One thing that Geneva wants, and, and I think it's something that almost all of us want, is to be loved. Yeah. And she's looking for love, and she's feeling a lot of feelings as she grows up, as she goes away to college. I like the way you, you depicted how she got into college and how she kept meeting people who cared enough about her to, to help her out.
1: Yeah. I think it's true it happened to Geneva in terms of getting people who, yeah, who cared enough. And I picked that up because it's been true in my life. So did I. And, uh, yeah, she has a lot of trouble with the love issue.
0: Mm hmm And when she meets this one guy, and I don't think it's a spoiler to say they end up getting married. Yeah. When she meets him, as a reader, I think we're all— feeling the same thing her parents are feeling when they hear about this guy. It's like, oh, no, 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 (laughs) no, no, no. This is not the right guy. But she just can't help herself because she wants to be
1: loved. Yeah. Yeah. And besides, I think there's a good deal that's lovable about Cullen, but certainly stability is not one of them.
0: I I don't disagree with that. Yeah. Even so, this guy – when it starts falling apart, we know, long before Geneva does, this is headed to the to the bad place here. This is not going to keep going. Yeah. I'm not giving away too much, am I here?
1: I don't think so, okay. no. All right. I think it's it actually says in the blurb to the book that she gets past Scotland, if you can put it that way. You're talking about on the back? On the back, on the back. You
0: know, yeah. I never read that. You know why I don't? Because I don't want to have spoilers.
1: Yeah. You know,
0: to me, I don't read the press releases for books or anything like that. Because I just want to go in that book and just have it be completely me experiencing the writer as the writer produced the story. And I don't want to read what anyone else thought about it until
1: afterwards. That sounds like a good plan to me. (laughs)
0: Yeah. And clearly, based on, on this book, you are very well read.
1: I've been a reader most of my life, and uh, I like books. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Tell us more about that. Tell, tell us about how you discovered books when you were little and, and what kind of books you had around the house. Did you have
1: many books? We didn't have many books except my dad's Westerns. Oh, Zane Dad, Gray. He loves Zane Gray mm-hmm. yeah, and Ernest Haycock and Luke Short. I can read them off. Uh, and when I was, my mother was a nurturer when it came to reading, and my father always backed her up on that. And I was very young, the first time they went into a store in Pikeville, which was the town we lived closest to, and they said, what do you want? And I went to, I guess, Little Golden Books. And so, then my mother would get books. And there was this one wonderful set that had just those stories and here and now, which included a guy who lived in New York, I think it was, and who kept walking in every direction, a child trying to find the borders of New York. And uh, there was the Arkansas Bear. That was one of the others in the set. So, yes, and then as we grew older, there were libraries And we made heavy use of the libraries. I'm not the only reader in the family.
0: Just like Geneva does in the story. Yeah. Let's talk some more about Geneva's mom. As we're reading the story, you do a really good job of building tension around her mom. We're we're really concerned about her. We're worried about her. Let's talk about what it was like to be a woman of childbearing age in Kentucky during that time. This is really tough stuff.
1: Yeah, it is, because to begin with, they didn't believe in birth control and didn't have easy access to it either. And uh, so women like my mom would have one child after another. And the amazing thing to me is, well, first, four of them died. So she had even more than uh, living ones. And... uh, how she did it. She did it with grace. She did it with dignity. And she brought up nine children with the help of my father, who was usually very busy, though, making a living.
0: My dad was a little bit like Geneva's dad in that uh, he expected to be the breadwinner. One of the, the things that really became a point of contention in their marriage was when my mom was able to develop her own income as an artist oh, and he that, yeah. and he felt threatened by that yeah and in your story because he's lost a job again the mother has to go get a job and she gets a job at a department store yeah. and he has a really hard time with this he he that that old school kind of guy that came up through the depression that has those i hate to call them patriarchal values but but that's i that's a term i think that's appropriate yeah he feels threatened by this he even though they really need the money and he can't find a job it, it's just really hard for him
1: to take so i know my own father was quite ambivalent about it that on the one hand, he thought a woman's place was in the home, and on the other hand, he had a wife who was interested in the outside, though she didn't get out there all that often, and daughters who were growing up and doing all sorts of different things. So on the one hand, he'd be proud of us, and on the other hand, I'm sure it sort of turned his world upside down, and it was difficult.
0: hmm the book is a young woman from the provinces. Joanne Kaiser wrote it. Geneva, when she goes off to college, and, and later on when she's in New York and other places, she now and then will encounter men who pique her interest, and, and she has a rich fantasy life.
1: Yes, yeah, she does because she'll she'll get fixed on these particular guys like Krishna. The Indian guy. And uh, she sort of lives, although I didn't realize I made it that explicit, but I guess I did, that she sort of lives on that until she gets to New York and gets herself into a situation that with her own values of the time, which was 60s, early 60s, and coming out of the 50s, was there are some things you just don't do if you're a nice girl. And she had read, as I had read, Grace Livingston Hill, and she never forgave Grace Livingston Hill, and neither did I. (laughs) Actually, she was probably a very nice woman, and she wrote this whole series of books, uh, old sort of middle school, young adult books, about nice girls. They were like Christian romance type things? Yeah, Mm -hmm. they were. And they were sort of like, well, Pollyanna was younger and Pollyanna was more fun. But Grace Livingston Hill, I don't know. They were too pious. As we
0: travel this journey with uh, Geneva, we see her become very sophisticated eventually. She has lived in New York for a while. She knows about all the museums. She knows about all these writers. And near the end of the book, she goes to Europe. Yeah. And this is really fun, isn't it? Did, did you have a similar experience?
1: I did. Well, not not quite as explicit as sort of coming to an epiphany on it as she does. But, uh, yeah, my first time in, in uh, Europe, I was supposed to go with my boyfriend at the time, but, He was not able to do it for various reasons. So I said, okay, I'm going to go by myself. So my first trip to Europe, I went all by myself. And as I was lucky in other places, I was lucky there. I met, oh, people who would help me get to train stations, people who would stop and talk for a while, and uh, I stayed. It was Europe on $5 a day, if you can imagine Mm. So I stayed in all these great—no, I take that back. I started out with Europe on $5 a day, but there was a book by two Frenchmen at that time who told you all the places where the French stayed for cheap vacations. So most of the places I stayed were out of that book. So it was a great adventure, and I met just enough people to make me feel something more than a tourist.
0: What year was that?
1: Oh, my goodness, what year was that? I think it was 1970, Mm -hmm. 1969,
0: 1970. Mm, Yeah. It was a lot cheaper then, wasn't it? Oh, yes. Mm -hmm, Everything was. They uh, have a rent. When they get an apartment in in New York, in your story, they have a rent at a place, and, and I think it was $100 a month. I mean, I
1: hundred fifteen something like yeah. that,
0: and and now in Manhattan, you probably can't find an apartment
1: for three thousand a month. Oh yeah. I mean, that's probably just a
0: complete flea bag apartment.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I would imagine it is, and so they all move out to Brooklyn and New Jersey, and so it's very different. The last time I was in New York, downtown Manhattan just seemed too yuppified to me.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it did. I haven't been there lately, but I imagine I'd have the same reaction. The book is A Young Woman from the Provinces by Joanne Kaiser. Tell us about the publishing process on this. Uh, Atmosphere
1: Press, it's kind of a hybrid publisher? They, yeah, they're a hybrid publisher. You essentially bear the costs on it. So in that sense, it's like self-publishing. But they have like a good developmental editor. They have a good book design and they have a publicity set up that seems to work pretty well. Uh, I'm not sure I've taken full advantage of it because I'm not the world's best marketer, but but it's there. And uh, they just won. I saw uh, an email today, the uh, North Street Prize. One of their authors, a guy named Daniel Victor, just won the North Street Prize, which I guess is fairly prestigious. Oh. Yeah.
0: Well, I've got to say, uh, based on, on my reading of many, many books, and a lot of them on major publishers, the uh, proofreading business seems to be in decline, but not in your books. These are very well proofed. I, I very rarely found anything in your books where I would go, oh, that's, that's a typo or that's a mistake. I mean, it's such a pleasure to read a book that is clean like that and proofread, and, and it's just... I could tell that you had your New Yorker uh, eye on this. Uh, y- you were making it very clear that you read this carefully.
1: I did that, and I was an actually a copy editor for many years. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I'm accustomed to the process. But I also had help from friends here in Yellow Springs mm-hmm. who read the book and pointed out, like, factual errors and stuff before I sent it off. So I didn't have to do it all by myself. They caught
0: factual errors? Yeah. What kind of stuff were they catching? Incon-
1: inconsistencies, like a name in one place would be one thing and in another place would be another. Uh, Things like that. Just uh-huh. all kinds of inconsistencies. Oh, really? Where it had been written over so many years, you know. Sure. Well, that was very helpful then, wasn't it? Yes, it was. And when
0: they point out a factual error, what would you say? What was your reaction?
1: Like, good save or like... No. I... Oh, I said, so thank you. Bless you. It was, it was more like it. Think of how embarrassing it would have been to go to press with them.
0: Well, I am a close reader and I can usually find a factual error in anything because that's just – that's how I read and that's okay because it's like the Navajo rug. You want a little imperfection in there. Nothing is perfect. How's it felt to have this book out in the world?
1: You know, I haven't had that much sense of it. Uh, Let's see, I read at Epic and I read at the Senior Center. And now I'm doing this interview. But other than that, and I was very glad to get some good reviews, like the book life thing. But other than that, It's been kind of a relief. I mean, I want the book to be a great success, of course, but the feeling, probably partially because I'm in Yellow Springs, is that nobody's going to make any big flutter about it, either negative or positive. And so it's like a normal part of life, more than it might be in other circumstances.
0: Yeah. You're walking down the street and you're saying, hey, my new book is out. And every single person you walk by, if they're local, they're yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm saying that in the nicest way. That's good. Yeah. Because it is kind of amazing to live in a community with so many writers and so many smart people and, and intellectual people and, and academics, and and you name it. I mean, this this is the place.
1: Yeah, I never expected to land up here, but I'm very glad I did.
0: Well, we appreciate the fact that you landed on our program again. Thank you. My guest has been Joanne Kaiser. Her new book is a young woman from the provinces. And her uh, previous book, we had her on the show for it, was uh, a collection of stories. It's called The Guitar Player and Other Songs of Exile. And if... uh, This piqued your interest listening to her talk about her novel. You can go into our podcast archive at wyso.org and listen to the previous interview. And we will post this one as a podcast uh, eventually as well. Thanks again for your time, Joanne.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Once again, the book is A Young Woman from the Provinces by Joanne Kaiser, who joined us right here at WYSO in Yellow Springs for The Book Nook. I'm Vic McKeonis.